brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. You're on board KCAA's Inland Talk Express. KCAA, Loma Linda, 1050 AM, the station that leaves no listener behind. I'm Dr. Anthony Lazowitz, and this is Climate Connections. The sagebrush rangelands of the western U.S. may look empty, almost desolate, but these vast treeless landscapes are rich with life. From sage grouse, pygmy rabbits, and trout, to pronghorn, mule deer, and elk. So hunters and anglers find the sagebrush ecosystem super important to them because this is a part of their way of life. But Tiffany Turner of the Theodore Roosevelt Conservation Partnership says sagebrush habitat is in peril. According to a USGS study, about 1.3 million acres are lost each year to development, invasive grasses, and other threats. And it's not only wildlife at risk. Healthy sagebrush habitat stores a lot of carbon in the soil and deep roots of perennial grasses and shrubs. When the landscape is altered, some of that carbon is released, warming the climate. So Turner's group is pushing for federal legislation to help conserve and restore areas of sagebrush and other grasslands. She says the steps needed to protect land for hunting and to protect the climate can be one and the same. Preserving opportunities for hunting and fishing and access to our special and beautiful spaces, that is a climate change solution. Climate Connections is produced by the Yale Center for Environmental Communication. To hear more stories like this, visit climateconnections.org. prepared? Legacy Food Storage. The best way to protect your family is by being prepared. Go now to LegacyFoodStorage.com. Use coupon code HOM15 now for 15% off. Quick, go! This is Judge Herb Dodell and our show is called For the People. It's available every Monday at 4 o'clock, 4 to 5, and we'll be talking about all kinds of things pertaining to the law and how it really works from the inside as opposed to the outside. So tune in and learn all you need to know about the legal system and how it works. If you're ready for a Las Vegas vacation, here's an offer you can't refuse. The Vegas Travel Center is offering three days and two nights in Vegas free. Just call 909-406-7400. The offer includes accommodations with two free tickets to Great Las Vegas Entertainment with free meals. So if you're planning a trip to Vegas, you need to jump on this right now. Just call 909-406-7400. Obviously, an offer like this is not going to last. So call now, 909-406-7400 for your three-day, two-night Vegas vacation. That number again, 909-406-7400. Call now. Learn to make money five ways with rental real estate. Double your money with apartments and get your map to financial freedom. And that map starts with a free workshop. Sign up now at lifestylesunlimited.com. Click on the Join Free Workshop tab and attend online or in person. That's lifestylesunlimited.com. Lifestylesunlimited.com. Again, that's lifestylesunlimited.com. Limited seating, unlimited potential. For several years, KCAA has been marketing the Longevity brand of nutritional and personal care products. Our experience with Longevity has been 100% positive, so we are pleased to recommend them to you. Regarding nutritional supplements, we recommend Pollen Burst in the berry flavor and Tangy Tangerine 2.0 in the tablet form. For regularity issues, we recommend 3-Day Cleanse, and for personal care, we recommend Morning Hydration Cream. You can shop online for Longevity at www.kcaateam.com. 
or you can order by phone by calling 800-982-3197 and tell customer support that you are part of the KCAA team. Longevity is an American company based in San Diego. Call Longevity at 800-982-3197 and ask about monthly auto ship that allows you to buy Longevity products at wholesale prices. That number again, 800-982-3197. Express 106.5 FM. The number one FM talk radio station in the Inland Empire. KCAA, the station that leaves no listener behind. Express 106.5 FM. approach to teaching kids and teens the basics of money. These money lessons are crucial to their financial future, especially right now in our debt-obsessed world. This book will set your whole family up for success and open up meaningful conversations with your kids around money, no matter how old they are. Go to the online store at RamseySolutions.com today to get your copy of Smart Money, Smart Kids. That's RamseySolutions.com. You've heard FM. Now, tune into DM Radio, the world's longest-running show about data. Each week, host Eric Cavanaugh interviews the brightest minds in the world of information management. Want to be on a show? Send an email to info at dmradio.biz. Now, here's your host, Eric Cavanaugh. Ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome back once again to the longest running show in the world about data. It's called DM Radio. Yours truly, Eric Cavanaugh here. And an all-star cast lined up for you folks. We're going to talk about the foundation of the information economy, which of course is database. Why cloud databases will prevail. Persist this is our little joke. Because of course, persistence, that's what databases do. They persist data. You can do it other ways though these days. You can stream data. You don't even have to persist it. Although, oddly enough, technologies like Kafka do first persist data to disk, even though they're streaming. So there's all sorts of interesting twists going on out there. But cloud databases have really taken off, especially in the last five years or so. But all those traditional databases, they're still out there. And lots of them are open source. A lot of really interesting things happening in the open source community. But uh, don't count out the veterans in the world either. You've got Teradata on the call today. We have Maria DB on the call today. Fun show about, uh, or fun topic, Maria DB. Uh, I love this technology. Uh, the guy who started it, Monty Vidanius, I interviewed him about four years ago. And I remember when uh, when Oracle bought Sun and with it, uh, MySQL, Monty Vidanius forked the open source project into MariaDB. <laughs> like the next day, after Oracle bought this technology, and I remember asking myself, all right, what's going to happen here? Is it going to be hard to get MySQL uh, free anymore? And the short answer was, yeah, kind of. They kind of hid it behind some things. You can go still download the binaries, as they say, and install it yourself. But things did change a bit. But I'm always fascinated by that tale that the guy who invented this just forked the open source project the next day, and that's how MariaDB was born. So we'll find out about that and other things. But basically, think about a database. It stores data. It delivers data. You want it to be fast. You want it to be responsive. These days, if you do online shopping, you want all that stuff to come to you very, very quickly. If you're looking through different objects that you want to buy, different products, for example, you want to be able to get to them quickly, find out if they're available, order them, do all that stuff in a very seamless fashion. Well, that requires a database that's fast, that can hold lots and lots of information and deliver all that information, that can handle lots of different queries coming from different directions. So there are lots of things that come into what make a database good and fast and reliable and durable and so forth. And we're going to talk about all that today. And with that, let's bring in Tony Bear, one of my best friends in the business. Uh, this guy knows his stuff. He's been in the industry for a number of years now, a fantastic writer. Tony, tell us about uh, the latest and greatest in the database world. Uh, will cloud databases prevail over on-prem or does on-prem have a long tail? Oh, gosh. Hi, Eric. Uh, no, thank you for having me again. Great talking with you. Um, my my answer really on that is where do we start? 
And what's, you know, part of it is that I have, you know, my background originally, you know, before I got into technology was both in, you know, my, my degrees were in history and journalism. So I've always looked at everything as being, well, let's, you know, report on the latest, but then, you know, let's look at the back history and didn't this happen before? And what you see in the world of data and databases is essentially what goes around comes around. It's just that on each new grow around, we have some new ideas. We can take advantage of some new technology and do some old things in new ways. And hmm. so the idea of distributed databases, we've been talking about that for 30 years in the cloud. You can do distributed databases and, and we've, um, and you can all and you can you know by virtue of basically you know in cloud native where you separate um you know uh, essentially data you know data from compute there are a lot of ways that you can distribute databases or or, or basically uh or split workloads you know shard databases so there are a lot of and you can also split between batch and 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 real-time streaming so a lot of amazing a lot of amazing things that, that you can do with it so where are we where do we start well, I would say that we're about 10 years into what's really, you know, you know, revolution in databases. We thought about 20 years ago that we could have closed down the patent office. That, right. But in <laughs> year 2000, we thought that relational databases were the end state until we found out that, well, there's just, you know, that, that when, you know, with the way relational databases work, they put a logical layer over, 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 over how data is stored, which is great, you know, for doing queries and for, for governing and all that. But when it came to absolute scale, it became an impediment. And so basically folks like Google and Amazon and Facebook and Yahoo started looking at different ways that they, that they could, you know, you know persist data and found that well, sometimes you know, you know, we could work with a variable structure. Sometimes we can work with key. If we're just doing counters, we can have a key value store. If mm -hmm. we're trying to you know, process documents, you know, we can have, we can use, we can borrow a construct from web developers called JSON, you know, JavaScript object notation. Um, it was devised you know, for the web and, 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 and the database folks say, hey, we could use this construct as like a poor man's object database mm -hmm. and you know what i've always said was that relational databases are the way that 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 the world is structured but document databases are the way that the world actually is because the world mm -hmm. tends, tends to form in hierarchies and stuff like that where we are today is that we're in the in, in the midst of a cloud transition and as we were talking about before you know, before we, we came online no on-premise will not go away. It will be a continuum. There's some data that will have to stay on-premise or premises, or there are going to be you know some applications that you know if it ain't broke, why fix it? But but they will have to interact with data and analytics that you know that are are, are more likely than not you know to be in the cloud. So I see a continuum you know, happening in all this. The other part though is that we do see a real uh, a real secular trend. That enterprises are looking at, you know, can we afford to keep maintaining data centers and put all the, all the, you know, and all the, you know, the, you know, the, you know, the sweat equity, the blood and toil into those data centers, and and a lot of enterprises are saying, you know, something, this is not a business we need to be in. So we are definitely seeing a distinct move to the cloud. As I said, it, we, the world, the future will be hybrid, and the future will be multi-cloud, you know, not necessarily by define, but by default. Um, and what's really interesting, and I'll kind of leave off with this, is not meant to be an end statement, but just to kind of show that what goes around comes around, is that we're seeing a revolution now in data lakes. You know, the, the, the whole thing with big data, hey, you know, you know schema on read. Well, um, turns out that if you're really trying to do scale by analytics, and if you're really trying to, you know, get, you know, get, you know, govern data, and, and also if you want to make sure you get consistently the right data, it helps to have that, you know, you know, help have that, you know, form that in a relational format. So we now have this new construct called the data lake house, um, which I say is being see as being the revenge of the SQL nerd. So, <laughs> in terms of where we're going, I see that essentially it's going to be a thousand flowers will bloom, and that also we're kind of going through a cycle, and we're and we're starting to and you know and we're starting to see I, I think basically a a renaissance in relational databases. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I think it is a renaissance in database technology, and uh, it is a very significant thing, right? So people want choices. And, you know, I remember writing about this way back in 05, and I'll uh, throw this back over at you, Tony, before we bring it out of the guests. But I remember watching this whole Hadoop 
movements and really kind of scratching my head about what was going on because it seemed a bit kludgy to me and like there'd have to be a whole lot of reverse engineering going on it it sort of dawned on me that this whole arising of open source databases was really a whole bunch of people trying to get a piece of larry ellison's pie and <laughs> just tired of dealing with um, the big vendors for their database technologies and so you had this real proliferation of open source projects that is now very significantly matured but what do you think yeah Oh, I mean, there's no question. I mean, certainly a lot of this started as a reaction against kind of like the established order. Mm -hmm. But open source also in another way, which is that it's a matter of, of skills base. And so I think the secret of success of, you know, of, of MySQL, you know, it, which is still out there, MariaDB, Postgres especially, is that, you know, you can, you're, is, uh, is building a very large skills base that's not restricted to any you know, specific vendor, you know, product or or implementation, and so uh, and and the other thing is that developers, whether they're database developers or application developers, or whether they're data science, data engineers or data scientists, they all want on their resumes open source because that will make their skills portable, and that's also where the brunt of the innovation is happening. Yeah. That's a good point. Well, let's bring in other guests. Uh, we got Robin Jasani of Teradata and Manjot Singh of MariaDB. Uh, ladies first, I'll throw it over to Robin Jasani. Tell us a bit about what you're working on. Of course, Teradata has been around uh, for a long, long time and has innovated in lots of different ways. Uh, last time I went to a Teradata conference was I think 2019. And I remember being very impressed by the industry solutions because you know, in our industry, we get all excited about the speeds and feeds and, and all the sort of intricacies of the relational models, et cetera. The business people just want analytics quickly. That's all they care about. They don't worry about what happens under the cover as long as it works and gets the job done. So I thought that was an interesting pivot. And then, of course, Vantage Cloud uh, is really a very interesting innovation. Tell us a bit about that and uh, what you folks are working on. Oh, well, thanks so much, um, Eric. Yeah, so we have uh, Vantage Cloud, which has two different editions, right? We have our Vantage Cloud Enterprise, which has been in the market for a number of years, and our latest edition, Vantage Cloud Lake, which is the product that I work on primarily. And um, it's a really exciting place to be because it's a, a reimagining of our database and our data and analytics platform. And as part of that, to your point earlier, we're really focused on enabling the business users, the data scientists and engineers to all get faster decisions, better ROI as quickly as possible. And so we've built on our innovation of history and scalability and performance and continuous innovation and are now bringing another layer with Clearscape Analytics, a whole layer of a robust feature set that gives analysts the ability to run data, um, analytics in database for better and faster decisions and faster ROI. So really exciting to be on a cloud native platform that enables all of this to, to happen. Yeah, no, that is interesting stuff. And maybe tell us real quick about the genesis of Vantage. If I recall correctly, Teradata took a handful of really smart people, said go into this room and work on this for a period of time and come out with something great. Isn't that kind of how it all happened, came to pass? It did, it did. We did have an incubation project for Vantage Cloud. And uh, I, I was very happy to be a part of that. It, it was probably the best couple of years of my career in my 30 year span here at Teradata. And um, we, you know, redesigned, right? Like, what do we need to do? What are the market requirements that we need to be able to make? And, you know, obviously the separation of compute and storage is, is key, one of the key ones, being able to leverage the native object store with our cloud service partners, um, being able to have independent, um, multi-cluster scalable compute, right? Independent of the storage, all of these key design criteria and figuring out how to enable that cloud native architecture based on the, all of the greatness that's already part of the Teradata Analytics database and then bring new feature functionality to life on top of it is a, mm. is a great program. Well, yeah, and also I think it kind of speaks to an awareness at Teradata that the world was changing, that this concept of a centralized data warehouse will still have tremendous value in certain use cases, but that the world is very federated these days, and it really pays to understand that from a programmatic perspective. Is that about right? 
Absolutely. You know, our customers and, and lots of prospects today are looking for solutions that have different design patterns. You know, obviously data warehouse is still very primary and prominent in our industry, but a lot of customers want a data lake or want a data lake house, as Tony mentioned before. And really what we're doing is we're enabling customers to, to implement their analytics and their design pattern of choice based on our available technology and being able to bring it all together so that they can achieve their value. Yeah, that's really good stuff. And uh, let's get Manjot singing before the segment ends here. We got about four minutes left. Uh, Manjot, uh, I, I always tell the story about MariaDB because I think that's just a fantastic tale. It's really funny. You know, there was some people at Oracle fuming <laughs> that happened, <laughs> I have to believe. Uh, but it, it shows you that open source is a very powerful force. And quite frankly, open source has fundamentally changed how enterprise software is designed, deployed, and managed, right? What do you think, Manjot? Yeah. and. And it's interesting that you mentioned Monty and how we started MariaDB. Um, but we took that innovation that helped create the web as we know it, and we made a product that everyone from mom and pops to Fortune 500s rely on, right? It's one of the, the most popular databases out there. Uh, it's available on any cloud. But what they're doing, and, and this is one of the things that you see with a lot of open source, is they take our community version and they host it. Um, but we've taken that innovative modern database and we've made it available in a second generation multi-cloud architecture and we have a hyper focus on innovation stability and those enterprise requirements yeah no that's uh that's some pretty interesting stuff and so there is a sort of more durable version i mean with open source you can go and download the code yourself you can install it i mean i remember years ago just so i could say i did it i went and uh, worked on standing up a uh, a graph database this is like 2009 and after about a day and a half i said yeah i don't want to do that <laughs> Yeah, I don't want that to be my life. Uh, and of course, we're moving in this low code, no code direction, which if you get down to it was always the idea, like you, you want to be able to pull things together visually and not have to hack out code all day. But uh, I, I do like the low code to pro code mantra I've heard some folks talk about, but we are getting much further along the way in terms of maturation of the industry, in terms of being able to deploy these things fairly easily, right? It's a much, it's a lot easier to deploy a cloud database today than it was five years ago. What do you think? Yeah, um, I think that's that's really important, actually, and and so that's why we we look at those first generation clouds from from hyperscalers, right? They emphasize that convenience and price, um, but the second generation cloud from from database vendors, um, it it really emphasizes movement beyond that one cloud, right? We don't ignore on prem implementations. We were talking about that uh, in the green room, um, and the second generation clouds were able to deliver innovation uh, to the database and hyperscalers can't do that, right? So um, we give ultimate flexibility and we're available to our customers without restrictions across that infrastructure with the, with the AWS and Google Cloud and Azure. Um, and we're not just that open source hosting provider, right? So like, like going back to your first question, our roots are open source, but we've evolved to be able to handle those critical workloads that Fortune 500s depend on. Hmm. Um, we have mission critical products that run a company's business, right? Think back to the, the Taylor Swift incident uh, last year. Uh, and and I think they were expecting something like 1.5 million users and they had 14 million users, right? And that. Yeah, and that, that caused a snowball effect um, after their system crashed. And it's it's actually gotten to lawmakers that, that see a larger issue within their industry. So what they, they did was they took the heartbeat of, of their business and it became a weakness because they didn't they didn't give it the attention it needed hmm. by using something like like what we offer, right? Um, whether that's expand our distributed SQL or or one of our other mission critical products. Um, yeah. I think no, that's, that's a weakness with the open source hosting you get from some of these these hyperscalers. That's interesting. That's a really good point. And, and that's a great story to throw out there, folks. We'll pick this up after the break. But the story of Taylor Swift and the ticket system crashing, it reminds me actually of during the pandemic when some of these states, their unemployment systems just crashed and burned. And it's like, well, that's not good. Right? It's because they have legacy technology. They haven't updated. They didn't pay attention. They didn't dot I's and cross T's. And we expect more from government and from Taylor Swift's companies that she works with. And we'll be right back. Don't touch that dial. I'll be right back. What if you could own a piece of the future? What if you could build your next castle, not on sand, but on the bedrock of a modern blockchain ecosystem? The first internet gold rush made millionaires. 
The second wave is minting billionaires. But the third wave is just gathering now, and anyone can get in on the action. Hop online to crowdpointtech.com to learn how you can secure a foothold in the blockchain revolution. Whatever your passion, wherever you want to go in life, there's an opportunity awaiting you right now. Go to crowdpointtech.com to learn how the blockchain will fuel the next generation of innovation in this globally connected world. That's crowdpointtech.com, your trusted agent in an untrusted world. What's the longest running radio show in the world focused on data? DM Radio. Want to be a guest sometime? Send an email to info at dmradio.biz. That's info at dmradio.biz. By now, you know exactly what a medical alert device is. So let's talk about what we offer. One of the best prices for medical alert devices in the country. If you're on a fixed income, call our special medical alert hotline right now. You'll qualify for free equipment and our best price starting at a dollar a day. That's it. You could have your loved one or yourself protected by the largest medical emergency response network in the country. If you need a medical alert system for your mom, your dad, you, or another loved one, call right now and start 24-7 protection for about a dollar a day. With no setup fees, equipment charges, or long-term contracts. You've seen the rest. Now call Stay Safe now for our best price. Call 800-576-5756. 800-576-5756. 800-576-5756. That's 800-576-5756. Can your IRA stand up to the next financial crisis that our top economists are saying is at our doorsteps? By allocating a percentage of your IRA into physical gold and silver with a tax-free rollover, you can diversify and safeguard your holdings from turbulent markets and economic downturns by putting your IRA back on the gold standard. Find out how to safeguard your assets with a tax-free rollover with a Genesis Gold IRA, the only IRA that can hold physical Precious metals. Call now for your free gold and silver report. Protect your IRA today with one simple phone call and learn how to qualify for up to $10,000 in free silver. Call Genesis Gold Group, empowering faith-driven stewardship. 800-504-1123. 800-504-1123. That's 800-504-1123. If you're living with diabetes and using insulin, you know the pain of pricking your fingers over and over again. Ouch! Well, by wearing a small remote device called a continuous glucose monitor, or CGM, you can reduce the pain of pricking your fingers. If you administer insulin three or more times per day or use an insulin pump, call now and learn how a CGM can help you. Painless. No more pricking my finger. No finger pricks. Convenience. They delivered it free and they took care of all the paperwork. You you can reduce pain right away. Plus, it's accurate, easy to use, and helps you spend more time in range. And if you have insurance, you can get a new CGM at little or no out-of-pocket cost. Call now and get free shipping of your new CGM. Plus, we'll bill your insurance for you. 800-514-9849. 800-514-9849. 800-514-9849. 9849 That's 800-514-9849. Welcome back to DM Radio. Here's your host, Eric Cavanaugh. All right, folks, welcome back once again to DM Radio. Persist this, why cloud databases will prevail. We're talking to Tony Baer of DB Insight, Robin Jasani of Teradata, and Manjot Singh of MariaDB. And we were talking in the break about scaling down. There's scaling up, of course. And just to explain to our audience, you know, when Black Friday comes, great song by Steely Dan, by the way, uh, all this activity hits and companies want to be able to scale up or out, depending mm -hmm. upon how you do it, to handle that workload, to handle the traffic. But you also want to be able to scale back down. And this is not a new thing. We've been working on this for quite a number of years, but we're finally getting somewhere. I'll throw it over to Tony to comment on first. It's very important to be able to scale down for cost reasons, right? Because you're throwing money out the window if you're paying for a lot of capacity that you're not using. What do you think, Tony? 
I'll put it this way. That's uh, it, it's a great advertisement for cloud because basically before cloud, um, when you were running, running databases on-prem, you had to basically buy just in case capacity. Right. And there were some elaborate, you know, ways around that in the past, which is that uh, vendors would sell you, they would sell you basically, you know, like capacity on demand. They'll, they'll sell you a box of like, with you know, with ten processors, and you're only turning on, let's say, six of them, and then you gradually increase your license. I mean, there are ways around that, but still, that was ultimately a more expensive. You know, the, the, by my nature, somebody has to pay the, the price of that extra iron. Whereas, you know, I mean, in the cloud, that becomes possible because this is all shared. Now, in a way, as, as I, we were talking, you know, you know, basically, you know, bef you know, before we came on. Uh, my my belief is that in this business, it's almost nothing new because you, know, in that sense. Those same economics really underlied time sharing, which is originally right. the only way that most or, you know most companies could could do computing because computers were too expensive. So the thing is that in the cloud, we we can where you can really literally you know basically go out to hyperscale, and that scale is shared by thousands of customers. Then now it becomes possible to take advantage of all that, but again. You do not, if, if you, it, it, depending on what your workload is, if your workload is fairly constant, you'll reserve capacity. It's just like, you know, I mean, like with anything, you're, 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 it's like reserving an airline, you know, a, a plane seat in advance versus you're trying to get something, you know, on, on, on peak. Um, and, uh, but, ob but obviously, if your workloads are going to vary, you don't want to be paying for that maximum capacity year round. So you want to be able to scale down. There are differences today with a lot of platforms. There are some, you know, uh, there are some that can scale down to zero, others cannot. But again, you have to look at the characteristics of your workload and and kind of match it to what the, you know, what, what the vendor has available. Yeah, that's right. It's an ongoing challenge too. And I will say, I'll throw this over to Rob and Jasani, and then we'll see what Manjot has to say about it as well. The big term these days in enterprise computing is observability. Right now we can see all this stuff, whether it's data pipelines, for example, or much more granular observability into how much things cost, like how much processing time it took, how much does the storage cost? So, you know, to even two, three years ago, it was very difficult to know what it costs you to run a certain analysis. That's not really so much the case now, and it's really moving very, very quickly. What are your thoughts about this really growing amount of data that we can access to understand the cost of things and what it's actually doing in the enterprise? What do you think, Robin? So I think that that's a great question. And I know one of the areas that we are really um, investing heavily in is helping our customers with financial governance. Because mm -hmm. being able to view all of the telemetry data, uh, how many compute clusters are you running? Um, are they scaling up and down? Making sure that they are um, only scaling within the policy thresholds that have been defined. Right. Allocating resources, seeing how much storage you have are all very important. And it's not just for observability, but it's also for predictability. Do I need more resources? Do mm -hmm. I need to increase my system size? Do I need to ask one department to change the time of day that they're doing work, right? So there are a lot of decisions that are made all based on being able to do financial governance and have that easily viewable and understandable in a visual way that through the console. And that's what we're doing with Vantage Cloud Lake is that we're continuing to enhance customer ability to do financial governance right in the console so that administrators and users, all users can see consumption rates and data on what's going on in their environment. Yeah, no, that's a really, really good point. And Manjot, I'll throw this one over to you. There is this new term getting floated around, data mesh. I've uh, been researching this quite a bit. Uh, Jamak Dengali came up with this over at ThoughtWorks, and now she's launched her own company, Next Data. And I will say it, it is an interesting concept, and there are some core tenets to it. One, treating data as a product, of course localizing the management of data by department, whoever's using it. And in order to do some of that stuff, well, you need a bit of observability. You need to understand, all right, well, how much is it costing us to have our marketing department run all these segmentations of, of prospects to do email marketing? How much does that stuff cost? And we're, we're starting to get somewhere. I mean, I know 
At the Snowflake Summit last year, they talked about resource groups, which is their way of trying to sort of cordon off a group of individuals and be able to track what they're doing and how much that costs. So again, we're getting closer and closer to understanding. What do you think about the the implication of this for businesses? And uh, what do you think about it for the maturation of database technology? Manjan? Yeah, I, I, and I hear you, right? Um, pricing concerns are, are top of mind for a lot of, of cloud users. And I think that goes back to observability and, and um, things of that nature, right? So we have uh, cross-cloud observability as one of our examples in our, as, as I called it, a second generation cloud, wow. right? Um, and on-prem observability. So we make those, those predictable uh, as you use multiple clouds and perhaps your on-prem infrastructure. Um, and, and resource usage. I think in one of your previous shows, you talked about the cost of a query and how people might be hesitant to run a query if they knew the cost uh, in dollars, right? Uh, I found that really a, a, a lively conversation. Um, but if you go back to you know SkySQL as our second generation cloud, it's we've found it's actually less expensive and, and provides more value uh, than a comparable, say, AWS configuration, right? Mm. And, and that, I think, uh, provides good value to our, our customers. Um, I saw a post from, from Tony uh, discussing this as well uh, to promote this show. And, um, you know, for example, if we have a like-for-like like MariaDB community on RDS and we compare that with like SkySQL's uh, MariaDB Enterprise, we, get, we give you read replicas and multi-AZ built in along with features from MaxScale, which is our intelligent router. And that automatically does read-write splitting, transaction replay on failover, among other mm. things. And, and so I think you find people that have those cloud costs in mind, they look at the facts they get from things like observability platforms, like what we offer, uh, and they, they'll do something like migrate from Aurora. Like our customers come to expand in the cloud and they'll save something like 40% over Aurora. Right. And and they find that that better value. So I think you have the value seeking as a consequence of, of what you were discussing. Yeah. Well, I mean, the more information we get, the better. I'll throw it back over to Tony. It's a constantly moving playing field is the challenge for CIOs and CTOs and CDOs increasingly because they're the, the data folks who should have some say in all this. And, you know, from a, from a user perspective, uh, it's kind of hard to track all the different moving parts and how much things are changing. So you kind of have to pick a particular direction and stick with it at least for what six months to a year before you think about changing and you know ripping out databases does that ever even happen i mean put it this way i think the old saying and i think there's still a lot of truth to this is you replace the database then you replace the dba because you know even though theoretically say in the relational world it was all based on essentially you know sql Every you know database you know provider had their own flavor of SQL, you know, for good reason because basically you know you know the SQL spec was very you know was designed to be very general purpose, and there are optimizations. For instance, like you know you know what you know what you what you folks do with MariaDB with you with expand you know in you know in Teradata you know in terms of that you have a very you have a SQL that's very attuned to basically doing incredibly complex queries and being able to do complex queries and be able to then, you know, um, uh, you know, optimize the query for whatever your, your priority is, which is, do you want basically high performance? Do you, you know, uh, do, do you want high, you know, high concurrency? Is there going to be a lot of compute involved? And so each provider here, I mean, it's actually, I mean, it's actually a good thing is that, you know, it, it encourages essentially basically a market for innovation, it encourages a market of choices. And a great example of that um, is in the Postgres, you know, the Postgres platform, for instance, which, you know, we don't have anybody from Postgres here on the show, but I'll give them a little bit of, I'll give them a little bit of airtime, which is more from the standpoint of, I'm talking about just the way the community was set up, which is that it has one of the most liberal open source licenses out there. Hmm. Um, and the license basically says, as long as you don't sue the University of California at Berkeley, <laughs> Have at it, kids. Do whatever you want with this platform. And so the result of that, you've seen so many, you know, so many different forks. And in Postgres, fork is a good thing. Fork is basically there synonymous with innovation. Uh, and so Postgres, for instance, was not initially designed for for analytics. And so you know, you know, there's there's some players in the Postgres community that basically that you know, you know, you know, forked it. You know, to, you know, to support, you know, for instance, like, you know, you know, you know, you know, shared nothing NPP parallel query, just as, as within MariaDB, 
you know, within, you know, within your, you know, be, it was, it was basically a transaction. I mean, my sequel from which it was descended, you were a simple transaction database. And mm-hmm. out of that, you, you've come up with high concurrency. You've come up, you know, with, you know, with, with, you know, with basically, you know, with, 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 you know, with, you know, with, 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 you know, with, with parallel, you know, parallelism, you know, sharding, you've done considerable innovation. As I said, it's the type of thing that of course, Teradata pioneered years ago, you know, when, when SQL came out. So the, the short of this is that um, I view basically these, these base technologies, it's basically platforms for innovation and therefore basically it provides choice. Mm-hmm. That's a good way to put it. And Robin, I'll throw it over to you uh, as one of the veterans in the industry here. And you said you worked on this managed cloud thing very closely, which had to be very exciting stuff because it, it to me, it really did represent a tipping point or some sort of significant inflection point in the evolution of the industry, right? And I remember when the data lake thing started to take off, asking myself, are we making the same mistake again, trying to pull all this data in one place like we did in the data warehouse? Shouldn't we respect the federated view of the world and what's going on out there? And said, you know, what, uh, what you guys bring to the table too is all these different functions that you can bring to bear, right? Because there are lots of different uh, queries you can throw at things. There are lots of different algorithms to use, and you guys have a whole host of those things. You want to talk about that for a minute? Well, sure. Uh, and you know, as you said, we support many different kinds of workloads. Of course, we're analytics born and raised, and we continue to support analytic innovation. But we also do mixed workloads. So we support operational and tactical work, we support uh, transactional workloads, and we have the mixed workload management capabilities so that we can adequately prioritize and make sure the work is getting processed the way it needs to be. Um, you know, the, the great thing about uh, Vantage Cloud Lake, the newest innovation is not only do we have the workload management capabilities, which have been a key strength of ours for years, but now we can do workload isolation. So for companies that want to be able to have different types of query processing, maybe not want to impact SLAs from one group to another, they can actually isolate their work by setting up various compute clusters all working against the same data. Hmm. So it's really the best of both worlds. You have workload isolation in conjunction with um, advanced workload management. Yeah, no, that, that's a really good point, too. And you want to be able to, to solve your business users' needs, right? I mean, concurrency is one of the real issues to watch out for because if you're not set up properly and a whole bunch of people rush in there you get a taylor swift crashing website scenario where no one gets what they want uh, and that's no fun at all and man john i'll throw it over you real quick at a couple minutes left in this segment but what i think is so cool is that now you really can adjust these things even with simple slider bars like i want to have more concurrency or i want to have a better control on cost or i want faster speed with these things you know, 10 years ago, you couldn't do that, but now you can. And that's very interesting and very compelling from a business perspective. Right, Manjot? Yeah, yeah. What And actually, that, that just goes right into what SkySQL offers you today, right? You, you get scale up and down, but you also get scale out. So we were talking about scale up and down before. Um, but this just goes back to what Tony was saying. As a platform of innovation in the, that second generation cloud, you, you can scale out. So like if you use our distributed SQL product, for example, it's it's a new category of database technology that gives you that sort of re- best resilience and scale, right? And it's important because we're operating, or the whole world is operating on a level of scale that we haven't seen before. You know, with that Taylor Swift story, for example, um, we've never seen the type of demand that we see today. And mm-hmm. we multiply that across digital entertainment platforms, food delivery, right. apps, travel and booking sites, sure. gambling, right? Um, so the, the world needs a better way to be resilient in the face of anything uh, and scale to meet that demand. And, and so expand redundantly stores data, uh, allowing for database operations to automatically continue in the event of failures. And there's no manual intention. It's fault tolerant, zone aware, multi-site replication. And then you add those sliders in and all of a sudden it's adding nodes on Black Friday because you're you're getting a lot of traffic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you don't have to call uh, some specialist IT person to go down to the the deepest, darkest corner of the data center and, and work on that stuff for you. It's much easier to manage, and that's the way it should be. I mean, that's the whole purpose 
of software is to allow people to do interesting things for their business. And the database should not be a very complex environment. Now, yeah. there are still things you can do. I mean, there are still things that a specialist, a really good DVA can do to optimize performance. But a lot of that stuff is being handled dynamically these days. And that's just good news for the business. But don't touch that dot, folks. I'll be right back. You are listening to DM Radio. Do you need to get your hands on some extra money right now? Maybe $25,000 or more? If you're a homeowner, now is a perfect time to get cash out while homes in many neighborhoods like yours have gone up in value. You can use the money for anything. It's yours. You can buy an investment property, pay off higher interest debt, or make home improvements. If you need $25,000, $50,000, or more, now is the time. Home values are up, and so is your equity. We offer you a way to use it. No need to use your savings. Call New American Funding now and see how much cash out you can get. 800-627-6493. 800-627-6493. That's 800-627-6493. NMLS 6606. www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. This is not an offer or commitment to lend. Subject to borrow and property qualifications. Not all borrowers will qualify. Terms and conditions apply. Equal housing opportunity. In times of economic uncertainty and chaos, your money means nothing. You may not even be able to get it from your bank or ATM. And the money you do have in the stock market will go down and down. What you can bank on is gold and silver. Gold and silver have been a reliable and trusted form of currency for thousands of years. Gold and silver have never been worth zero, and typically gold holds its value during economic turmoil. Call the gold hotline now and learn how to protect your money and your assets with gold and silver. And learn how to set up a new IRA or roll over your current one into a gold-backed IRA. Protect your money from the next market crash with gold and silver. Call now for your free gold guide. 800-755-4281. 800-755-4281. That's 800-755-4281. Do you have an old car sitting around your house? Maybe you're even paying insurance on it. Well, if you don't need that car anymore, donate it, running or not, to the United Breast Cancer Foundation. They will even come and pick it up for free and give you a receipt for a tax donation. Breast cancer screening could save the life of someone you love. And right now, they need your help. They want to save more lives through early detection by offering women free or low-cost breast screening exams. And that's what your old car helps to pay for. So get your phone out and call right now to donate your car to the United Breast Cancer Foundation. Remember, they will come pick it up for free and give you a tax donation receipt. Call right now at 800-245-1375. 800-245-1375. That's 800-245-1375. 800-245-1375. Do you own an annuity, either fixed rate, indexed, or variable? Are you paying high fees and getting low returns? If so, Annuity General would like you to have this free book to learn the pitfalls and mistakes of buying an annuity. The Annuity Do's and Don'ts for Baby Boomers contains the little-known truths about annuities, like how to help reduce your fees and increase retirement income. And it's free. That's right, free. As a bonus, we'll also throw in a free annuity rate report just for calling. We researched over 1,000 annuities and summarized rates and benefits from financially strong insurers. You get annuity do's and don'ts for baby boomers and the annuity rate report, both absolutely free for calling Annuity General today. Hurry, supplies are limited. Call now. 800-495-3652. 800-495-3652. That's 800-495-3652. Welcome back to DM Radio. Here's your host, Eric Kavanaugh. All right, folks, back here on DM Radio, talking all things database technology, and especially in the, up in the cloud. We've got several guests, Tony Baer, of course, of DB Insight, Robin Jassani of Teradata, and Manjot 
sing of Maria DB, which used to be called My Sequel back in the day. Now it's Maria DB. And you made a really good point in the break, man, John, about the DBA, the database administrator. This is a very important job, or certainly was very important for a long, long time. This is the person who sets up your database, who optimizes your database for performance, sets up the indices, does all kinds of different things to make sure that things are humming along and, and doing good work. Well, that job is, it's not going away, but it's kind of going away. And uh, there are just different skill sets involved now. But you made a really good point about explaining to, let's say, Oracle developers that, hey, you can still do PL SQL and here's how you do it. And you kind of train them. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, I was I was touching on on Tony's previous point um, on on why people may not be as portable with databases, right? They, they don't want to learn a new syntax. And that's always been important for us. Uh, the original MySQL had uh, ANSI SQL compatibility. Um, we've added PL SQL compatibility in 2018, uh, where developers don't have to learn a new syntax. And so when I when I was a consultant, I would go in and I'd notice DBAs hesitant to go with their leadership direction of changing the database. And I'd say, it's okay, here's the training, here's what you need to learn, and here's what you don't need to learn, here's, here's your transferable skills. And I think when you do that and you see that human factor, it, it helps people um, understand why, what the value proposition is, right, and go along with, um, with that. And, and so that was just one way we sort of disrupted legacy uh, databases by, by bringing in that, that PL SQL in, in, in 2018. Um, but now we're really focused since 2020 on disrupting cloud databases. Uh, those cloud database providers with that cross-cloud open source database that, that we run on Kubernetes with you know, that lower TCO that I mentioned. Um, and, and this year uh, in 2023, uh, what we're doing with open source database is gonna be really exciting. Yeah, that's a good point uh, to make there. And, uh, you know, I think about, again, the evolution of the industry. Maybe I'll throw it over to Robin Jasani to comment on this. You know, every company is going to be in a different place, depending upon their tech stack, what they have going on, which direction they're going uh, in the future. But it is important to, to really understand what are your core strengths? What are your skills? What is your business model? This is something that I always advocate for an information strategy group in every, con every, every company because things are changing and they're changing very, very quickly. And uh, it can be difficult to kind of pivot or to change the direction of your company. What's some advice you give to uh, prospects, Robin, when you're talking to them to help them understand why a particular path makes more sense for them? So, you know, our we're really interested in helping our customers and we've helped thousands of customers over the years unlock the value and growth potential from solving uh, complex problems and finding new insights, all using data and analytics. And so for us, we are really stressing to our customers that as they are adopting the cloud, they're also adopting their modernization journey. So it's not mm. just a move what you have today into the cloud. It's a, you need to do some refactoring. You may need to make some changes to how you do things or what things you want to do and what your business analysts and data scientists want to do to make to get the most value, to unlock the data, to be able to process the analytics and um, deploy them and operationalize them, which is another key area that others fail at. Uh, you know, within our within our suite of Clearscape Analytics, we cover the whole gamut, allowing them to start with data prep. You know, most of our customers can do data prep 70% faster than other competitors and, and a better price performance, right? More, hmm. more cost effectively. Um, all the way through op operationalization, being able to build and score a model and operationalize it and have it automatically monitored within the database. Really exciting, exciting stuff as, uh, as customers and prospects are looking to migrate and transform their businesses. Yeah. Well, everything is changing. That's what I was saying at the start of the show here, Tony, and that is the the exciting part and the harrowing part, I think, of being a CIO or a CTO these days, because boy, when you, a database choice you don't make every day, you don't make every week, you don't make every month, you make it once every X number of years, and then you kind of stick with it and figure out a way. And then you you want to buy not just what they have today, but you want to understand their vision and where they're going. I think that's probably a big part of the equation today. What do you think, Tony? Well, number one, it's a platform decision. I mean, and I mean, it may sound cliche. It's a platform decision, just like if you're choosing an enterprise application, that's a platform decision. Does it choosing a specific, you know, hyperscaler? 
That's mm -hmm. a proposition. And the thing is, there is nothing wrong with that, basically, because frankly, unless you are the ultimate living off the grid where you hope where you invent everything down to the operating system, you have to depend on some strategic suppliers that basically define basically, you know, what is going to be your app platform? What is going to be your, oper you know, your, your, your operating platform? What's going to be your cloud platform? What's going to be your data platform? Mm -hmm. uh, that's going to dictate the, you know, drive the context of, of your, of all the choices of, let's say like all the third party tools and applications that you, you know, that you put in. So, I mean, so there, so, and, and the other thing is that with, you know, what's, you know, what's interesting is that with the cloud, it has really multiplied the choices because from the same provider, you can put, you know, you get many different forms of, 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 let's say of database, for instance. I mean, like it reminds me in the old days, you know, I mean, in the pre-cloud days with Teradata, when you were, when you, when you had an appliances, you had some, you know, you had different workload op, you know, optimized appliances based on specific, you know, use cases of your customers. You know, some, you know, basically had compute intensive problems. Other had basically IO, IO intensive problems. Others required more generalized workloads. Same thing in terms of, you know, uh, you know, you know, Manjo, the, the way basically, you know, MariaDB is has delivered its cloud service, and that it's not a single vanilla cloud service. Mm -hmm. And so, so the fact is, is that you have a world of choices. Um, and you know, in the cloud, you'll get, you know, and you'll get lots of, you know, choices in terms of you know, not only you know what the platform could do, but also like you know, you may have choices. You know, for instance, in the types of, you know, let's say, compute instances or storage instances. And the fact is, is that, and the other thing also is that if you're doing analytics, you have a choice in terms of do you run it all in database? You know, are mm -hmm. you going to federate this? And there's no single answer that applies to everything. It's like EPA gas mileage. You know, your mileage will vary depending on you know the requirements of your workload, and also increasingly where you can process that workload. Because if you're a global company, you may be operating in countries that may have very specific restrictions on where this data can go. And right. even within the US, different states now have different privacy laws. You know, California has enacted CCPA. I mean, I'm not an expert on this. I have some front, you know, some colleagues of mine in the industry who can who can give you the full, you know, you know, you know the, the full, yeah. you know, the full nine yards on that. But the fact is, even within the U.S., there are varying regimes with regard to you know data privacy and, and and where data can go. So the thing is that there are just many many choices. The good news is that there are many choices. The bad news is that there are many choices. Right. No, that's exactly right. And Manjot, maybe I'll throw it over to you because multimodal is a, a topic of discussion these days, and there are some old multimodal databases, but that seems to be a direction. Again, probably five years ago, I remember talking to some folks. Monty Zweeven, I think, was the first one who was talking to me about a sort of sniffer that would be that's in the technology and gets the query and says, okay, is this an analytic query or is this an operational query? Oh, it's operational, go this way. Is analytical? Okay, go that way. That's a pretty clever way to look at things. Now in production, how does it work? I don't know. But the point is, multimodal is a, a very popular conversation these days. And I think that's part of what you folks offer as well, right, man, John? Yeah. Um and and we started that uh with an innovative approach uh with column store right uh so you could have InnoDB, which is our our oltp and our focus on on operational transactions um and and column store uh being our olap product but now with with expand we have columnar indexes and what that means is you can run some of that operational olap uh, within your your OLTP database. So while our focus is operational or OLTP processing, our operational OLAP uh, capabilities are 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 there. And um, and with SkySQL, it's highly consumable on the cloud of your choice. And I think that goes back to what Tony was saying, um, because you were talking about how people will pick a platform or a single cloud. Um, I I wondered during that that answer. How is that different from, say, the legacy databases, right? Hmm. Um, where people would get locked in for years, as you mentioned, right? Because what what we're seeing is is developers don't want to work with those legacy vendors. They're they're complicated <laughs> and complex, right? And and it, are the clouds, the hyperscalers, going that way? And is that is that possibly why our our second generation clouds are so successful? 
That's a very interesting point. Lock-in scares the daylights out of people, especially veterans who have been burned before. I mean, trust me, when, it's like a marriage that uh, you realize one year in, like, oh, this is not going to work, and you're stuck there because you have the same house, and you got to live there with this person all the time. Yeah, It does not work out very well. We're, we're almost at the, uh, the end here, but podcast bonus segment is coming up next. Look all these folks up online, folks. Uh, Tony Baer, that's B-A-E-R of DB Insight, Manjot Singh, and of course, Robin Dasani. And we want to know what you want to know. Send me an email, info at dmradio.biz. We'll talk to you next time. You've been listening to DM Radio. Legacy 1050 AM, Southern California. NBCRadioNews.com. I'm Julie Ryan. At least two people are dead as flooding intensifies in California. As Steve Patterson explains, a weather phenomenon known as the Pineapple Express is funneling subtropical moisture in from the Pacific. This is one of two atmospheric rivers that we're expected to get. The second one coming on Monday, bringing even more precipitation to areas that do not need it at all. Thousands are under evacuation orders and several communities remain isolated by high water. Former Trump attorney Michael Cohen is expected to testify before a Manhattan jury next week. Court observers say it's a sign that prosecutors are close to indicting the former president over hush money paid to a porn star who said she had an affair with Trump. Two-time Olympic gold medalist alpine skier Michaela Schifrin now holds the record for all-time World Cup wins. Her historic 87th win arrived in Sweden Saturday, breaking a 34-year record. Julie Ryan, NBC News Radio. You're on board KCAA's Inland Talk Express. KCAA, Loma Linda, 1050.